Hello everyone, welcome. Um, I'm Rachel Cook and um, on my far left is Vicky Featherston and she is the um, director of the play that some of you have maybe already seen and some of you might be seeing tonight. Um, she is the artistic director of the Royal Court, so being here <laughs> is very posh moonlighting for her. Um, and um, before that, she was the artistic director of the National Theatre of Scotland. And next to me is Lee Hall, who adapted um, the play from Alan Warner's uh, marvellous novel, The Sopranos. And Lee, well, you all know who he is. He, he wrote The Pitman Painters and Billy Elliot and the screenplay of Billy Elliot, for which he was nominated for an Oscar. Lee, I'm going to start with you. Um, when did you first read um, The Sopranos and did it immediately strike you that it would make something that, you mm. know, a play? Uh, I read it when it came out. I remember I was in Newcastle and I saw it in Waterstones and um, uh, I didn't know Alan Warner at that time. Uh, and. Uh, and I was just green with envy. It's, I'm a guy, I just think it's a brilliant novel. And I couldn't believe how accurately he'd caught the, the voices of these young women. Mm -hmm. um, and, so it, and because I love music in theatre, it seemed the most perfect thing. The, sto the story is about a, a group of, of, of girls in a choir. <laughs> um, and so it... it it, it, it struck me as uh, uh, really, really obvious. I mean, it's very hard because it's quite dense and sort of almost stream of consciousness, mm. even though it's got a lot of characters. Because it's a very confined time frame, isn't it? The <coughs> novel, I think, is just 24 hours, isn't it? Yeah, and I kind of like the sort of unities thing of yes. all, all of that. Well, one unity of time, but um, <laughs> uh, the... the, the um, uh, and, but then I, I did a little bit of investigations and uh, it, it was such a successful and very obvious thing to make a, a piece of drama out of that the film people uh, <laughs> leapt on it and um, had bought up a kind of option on the right. So I just thought it was impossible and, and forgot about it for a while. And then, I mean, was it, was, was it years of wrangling? And I think it was. I think technically that the film companies had a tenure um, veto on the, the theatre rights. Yes. Um, and then Vicky very carefully, um, I mean, it's, it's one of the things that people don't understand about uh, writing and, uh, and things for theatre, that, that, that writes are a really, really tricky thing because mm. they're a very precious thing for a writer. And I think that Alan was very, um, very wary of anybody taking this because it's got such a strong voice. And, and I think that, he, that, 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 that there was a lot of trust involved mm. for him to, to allow us to do it. Mm. So then you um, set about making it into a, a stage production. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the decisions you made? Um, I mean, what, how, how did you do it? it, it I think it's <laughs> remarkable because... Well, the, f the first thing we did was um, uh, go, we, we went uh, to Oban and Alan... Which is where it's set. And, and, and Alan's from there. And a lot of the locations that are fictionalised in the novel are, 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 are real places. So he sent us this kind of itinerary. And we went round and followed it and drank in the various bars and kind of... <laughs> um, and, and got the feel of it. Um, and... And that evening, because we sort of drove up from Glasgow and, and, and went round everywhere and kind of, yeah, like... Lisa's got the feel of it and looked at the estate where some of the girls were from and where the school was and this kind of thing. And that evening we started a conversation about 
what would be the sort of form that the piece would take, you know, because obviously it's very episodic. They start off at the port in the early morning, they go on a journey to Edinburgh, they go round Edinburgh, they end up at the singing competition, and then they take the journey back. And actually, that kind of road movie for the stage can become quite wearing. It can be quite wearing in film, but we kind of know that sort of... But that sort of journey thing about having to keep finding the new location and go to the new location. So the sort of big breakthrough, I think, from that first conversation was the idea that it would be like a gig. Mm. Yeah. And that they wouldn't... They would storytell to us they wouldn't have to literally move location so that was the first big decision and sorry Lee. yeah no and, and it felt um it felt right that we needed to find a for that the novel is so bursting with energy mm. and we needed to find a theatrical form that was as raw and provocative and um just full of life mm -hmm. that that w w would make sense for these these characters um and and the the gig that might take place in the, mm -hmm. the, the disco where they hang out um, felt, felt very right and, and offered lots of theatrical possibilities that we got very excited yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, one of the most intriguing decisions that you made is that the girls, there are only the girls, all the men are played by the girls, there are no <laughs> men on the stage and I love that, but um, I mean, how soon did you realise that you know, that would be what you'd do, that they would play all the parts? Well, that was that evening as well. We didn't know whether it was the right decision, but the, the, the question we had was, you know, how do, we do all, how, how do we play all the men? And the, the thing that's interesting about the stories and the men that they meet are that actually the girls get into really complex situations with the men, sort of sexually. It's very, very dark, uh, but they survive it. And we really wanted them to be empowered on stage and, uh, and us to know that they survive those situations, not that we have to sit in them entirely. Mm. And I was also really interested in what agency, because I think about this a lot, about what agency the actors and the male characters would have in the play. And they wouldn't really have anything. They'd just be there to have to kind of be... So we sort of... We, th we gave ourselves the challenge that maybe we'd see if the actresses, if the girls, could play all of the men. Um, and, and so that was one of the things that we threw into our first workshop. We did a series of workshops, and it was just seeing about whether we would believe them, believe the stories, whether we would get some fun out of it. So, and I yeah. guess also it means that we see how the, 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 the girls see that the way the men see them. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't put that no, very well. That's but yeah. right. so, so we, you know, they, they can take the men off, can't yeah. they? They can take the piss out of them. They can, you can tell if the men are bullies or yeah. nice or whatever. Yeah, rather than having to witness real sexual threats to teenage yes. girls on yeah. stage, which is a different kind of a play, what you're seeing is girls in control of this thing, even though you see the darkness. Now, um, anyone who's already seen it um, will know that um, these actresses are remarkable, but they have to do so many different things. So mm -hmm. how did you find uh, your well, gang? Well, again, one of the <coughs> conversations that we had, you know, and I'm speaking for you here, Lee, but, you know, we've talked a lot about a sort of a kind of cultural sympathy or a kind of a working-class front-footedness between a sort of Newcastle culture and a kind of Scottish culture of storytelling and of theatre and a kind of ownership of that. So when we were having these ideas, Lee said, you know, are you going to be able to find the performers? And for me, it was like, you know, if there is anywhere 
these are young women who have grown up, you know, in Scotland they call it doing turns, doing a turn. You know, they've grown up sitting around their families, they've played instruments, they've done all of this thing. And I knew that there was a that sort of versatility with the Scottish performers and a fearlessness in a direct storytelling that I think you've you experienced as well from Newcastle. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the, the, the play is about class. Um, yeah. That's one of the things that attracted me, uh, as well as being about a group of young women. It, it was a, a working class uh, young women. Um, and, and so that, as you say, that's very part of the culture. Mm. Which w w the most glorious thing was to go and start seeing the, the act yeah. actors. Yeah. Because in Scotland, they have an amazing music education it's like they're from the start and a lot of the cast have met up on kind of music but band, camp. band camps and <laughs> things like this and and it's just in their in their bones and it's 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 heartbreaking in a, in a sense to to see that what we lack but it was brilliant to be um amongst it mm. it could be and there's so i mean the 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 actors we've got in the show are are, are extraordinary and extraordinary musicians <clears throat> but so many of the people we, we saw mm. were uh, incre incredible. Yeah. yeah, but we did a lot of workshops and we auditioned so many people. And like Lee says, there were brilliant people that we saw, but actually to find, because it was about this versatility and it's the balance about, you know, creating an ensemble, but actually at the beginning of, they, of, of the piece, they seem like a sort of lump of girls and you can't really deliberately, can't really tell them apart. But by the end, even vocally, you can tell them apart and their stories and all that kind of thing. So they had to be able to hold that ensemble thing. And then as the story go on, become incredibly individual and not a, just a group of teenage girls, just like young women with very particular issues, problems, questions, all that kind of thing. And the, I mean, the, the, it, the play is about class, but it's also about that innocence and experience. They're so experienced in some ways, but in other ways, they don't know anything of the world. And they've got to, the, these actors have got to be able to convey that, which is it's really challenging. Um, they've got to look like they're sixth formers, haven't they? Yeah. Well, I think that we we. Uh, we realised as we were making it that that that, that it is about ritual, um, and that that there was this kind of strange ritual, and and I start reading up about ritual and realising that what these girls do is are going away to this place to as they say go mental, <laughs> that to transgress the ordinary things, um, and they do it in a group. But one of the things about that kind of uh, rites of passage is that it, it, it's about individuation and, mm -hmm. um, and, and it suddenly became very, very complex <laughs> what they were doing. It seemed like a stupid kind of almost a viz thing where they all go away and go, go mental. Mm -hmm. But it became very um, um, archetypal, mm. I think. Yeah, when that's we start, right. And, and, and because we, we, the idea that Vicky had was that the, the show um, should be their show and they should be, they should be telling the story of this day in, in retrospect in the sense so that there's the ritual of theatre that encompasses this ritual story and it just became very interesting about groups and mm. uh, innocence to experience and what that meant and yeah. all of those themes are, are kind of ricochet around this quite strange form. Mm. I mean I, what struck me was that ma many stories begin with innocence and end with experience. Yeah. When you first meet these girls, you think, God, they oh, they know everything about sex. By the end, mm. they they seem so None this, of them a have. reverse journey, isn't That's it? That's right. It goes from the kind of brash sort of pretense of we use the language and we swear a lot and we do all these things to their kind of individual 
insecurity or individual question around who they are and what it is to become a young woman. And the interesting thing about the ritual was that when we started reading up about it, you realise that successful or sophisticated, I don't mean sophisticated as in New York, I just mean philosophically sophisticated cultures, sort of, um, sort of um, tribal cultures, all different things like that, they understand this sense of ritual so much that they send their teenagers out or their young people out to lose themselves whether it's, you know, into the bush or, you know, the Amish do it, don't they? They send them off for a year. Uh, and because in order for the society to be successful, they need the teenagers to have gone through this ritual to want to return to the society to be whole. And it's the people that don't allow that to happen where the society's become brittle. So I think that's a really fantastic thing, you know, in a way um, it's a... And I know, I mean, obviously, Vicky, this is something that you think about a lot, but... Um, it's very unusual for a play to consist an, of an all-female cast and for them not to be victims yeah. or, or, or devils, Lady yeah. Macbeth devils. Yeah. I mean, they are they're empowered, aren't they? They're yeah. sort of... Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about this so much, which is another reason why they tell the whole story themselves. And the other thing is about their sort of idea of the ritual about them needing to tell the story is that by owning your own narrative, you become complete. So they need to go through the process of telling this story publicly in order that they own it and they can move on. But one of the massive things for us was about, you know, both of them as, as young female actors on stage, singing, the fact that we have an all-women band, and the fact that that feels like a rare thing. It's how do we, how do we, how do we um, stop demonising young girls because they want to have sex and get drunk because that's actually normal. And how do we allow, <laughs> even when you're 49? <laughs> um, um, but um, uh, that's actually normal. And, w and, and, and the media demonises those young women for us and turns them into, you know, those awful programmes where people are showing their knickers in Ayanapa and things like that, rather than actually kind of celebrating a life force. So for us, it was really about stop getting, not doing that demonising. And, and the big question in terms of performing was how can they be sexual on stage without being sexualised? So how are, th how are we able to watch young women dressed up who want to have a, lose their virginity without us going and you should find them attractive? How can they look at you in the audience? What's the way they need to look at you? Which isn't about them asking for you to like them or fancy them, but they're in control of telling that story. And that's something as women, we, it, it's a really big head reversal, that whole thing about the female gaze. And it made me think all about the sort of John Berger ways of seeing when I first read that, but we had loads and loads of conversations about that. But Imogen Knight, who is our incredible choreographer, who, who is an amazing woman, she worked with them so much for them to be in control of the way that they tell the story. So it feels like, I mean, in terms of every, anything I've ever done, it feels like the most sort of feminist understanding yeah. I've ever had of performance in a show when basically six, 17 year olds just want to get pissed and get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's really interesting about how you, you know, what I had to learn to do it. Um, now, we should talk about the music. Um, to be honest, I've always been fine about loving yellow, but I know that um, <laughs> a lot of people don't f feel fine about it. But um, when I was watching the play, I, I was very struck by the way these rather cheesy songs became anthems. Um, I'm sorry if you're any uh, yellow fans in the audience, but they, they, they become, they, they work so well in the... Um, in the context of the play. Now, you worked with Martin Lowe, didn't you? Yes. To just tell us a bit about that, how you put the music in and... and, and you brought the ear low. Oh, well, <laughs> it, 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 it was... I mean, I don't know why we did. I think that there's a, 
the, 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 the novel is full of uh, music, but I th we rather th suspect it's, it's Alan Warner's taste rather than the character's taste. Yeah, he's very geeky, yeah. so we didn't really know any of the songs. No. <laughs> and, and so, and, and we, felt, we felt that, that we needed something that was more embedded in their world. We couldn't work out what it was. Um, but then there was this idea that, that because they didn't have much money, that they, the, the music they would be exposed to would be their, their dad's record collection. Yes. And that, that opened up this whole uh, possibility of, of, basically they've got a band in there. She was one uh, girl who's got this band. And so the idea was that they would do cover versions. And then we just threw in some ELO when we were talking. You bought Wild West Hero. You suggested Wild West Hero. That was the yeah, first that was one. Was that the first one? Yeah. And, um, and so we tried it out. Is and that a favourite song of yours, Lee? Uh, weirdly, now it is. <laughs> but, no, but, but, no, but seriously, when you take, when you took away the 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 the, uh, the, the glorious uh, um, arrangements of, of the ELO songs, the underneath there are these brilliant songs ab about loss um, that that uh, Jeff Lynne writes, and um, and these were suddenly really ex unexpected, and so the idea that you turn again, you're trying to to turn, turn something upside down mm. and it just seemed to mm. it was this very weird thing about the gig that that it, it the, 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 the songs aren't dramatic they don't that they're not in character when they no. sing they come on sing songs but somehow it seems to comment on the action and the action seems to comment on the song it's very weird yeah and I think for me that is there's the thing about that which and you know Martin the arrangements that he's made yeah, are extraordinary brilliant. and all their voices within it are it is magical but um, the thing for me that it really hit as well was this idea that when you, when you're, when you're, I mean, again, it goes on, but, but specifically when you're younger, a song on the radio can suddenly feel like it's the narrative of that day or of that moment. And there's something really amazing about them being, I don't know if it would be the same if it was with older people on stage, I don't know, but there's something about the fact that we are just able to commit to that, that they feel they need this song now, that's why the song is there and therefore the song makes sense. Mm. And it was a really, it was a very interesting thing when you have a sort of a guiding idea, which is that everything in the show has to be stuff that they could do themselves. So in a way, what we tried to make was a sort of, it wasn't a show that we made from the outside with our vision, it was a show that the show how they would make it so what was authentic and what wasn't authentic so the songs are really authentic to them and, and there's a sort of a, a theme of uh, like the play in the blokes that, that, that it's an appropriation of other culture that they own and do yeah, it their way yeah that's true um, and, and they, those songs are a, a little bit operatic so yeah. it, it suits mm. the fact that they, they are choir girls and they, yeah. they know about yeah. harmonies and well that's another interesting yeah, yeah. because they're brilliant at the choir songs because they've you know they're in the school choir and they're 17 so they've had that sort of rammed down their throats for years you know at, at, at school and they're really amazing about that but also I what we also found about it was that even though the piece isn't in any way religious and they never they never talk about God or anything like that but because it's so embedded inside them that the, the music actually serves things up for them as well. The choir music mm. serves things up for them in terms of the form mm. of ritual. So I, f I found it quite interesting that actually, even though to begin with they're a bit pissed off that they have to keep singing these songs or this kind of thing, by the end, the notion of that music, there's one piece in particular when, with Fanula, mm -hmm. there's one piece where it kind of delivers where she needs to get to for her own catharsis, and it could only come from that sort of godlike ritualistic mm. place, which I've really surprised me. Yeah, I think that that was the the the, the music and those themes 
seemed to bring in the thing that that the that the story was really going away from, which was this religious and spiritual uh, mm -hmm. thing, and and so it almost folds back on itself because mm -hmm. you could access the. I I, I mean I think it is a very spiritual play because there are these epiphanies yeah. you know and it does feel that they're, they're sort of moving towards the light I mean there is something holy about it for want of a better word but, uh, but I, I, I mean I think that the theatre is a sacramental place and that is why it is political because I mean you can talk about political themes but it, it, it's, it's sacramental because it is an exchange and a sharing mm. and that you can you can come to some revelation uh, and uh, and and I think that all of those things came together with the ritual, the the, the these these things, these religious things, and, and and the and we were putting it together as we were putting these like a, like a sort of weird bit bit by bit, um, and then suddenly we realised the epiphany that that she has about her sexuality should come through her under her the religious understanding that she she hears. The, the Agnes Day, which she sings every day in, 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 in the choir, and has a, a very personal relationship to mm. her. And so a, a lot of a lot of the form of the play yeah. and the meaning of the play came mm -hmm. through these accidents, which that's yeah. the joy of theatre. Yeah. So Lee, Lee, for you, this continues a, a theme, really, doesn't it? Which is about the, the effect that art can have on people's lives, um, you know, the transformative effect mm. that art can have really on people's lives and the, the good it can do them and the, the way it can change their feelings about the world. I, is that right? Is uh, it, yes, I mean, I, well, that wasn't um, a, a plan. I think it was just an instinct of why to, to, to investigate this material. Um, but uh, it is in the, all the work you make. But it is, yeah. And, I'm, and I am an evangelist about that. And I think it is the place where we can explore those things. And because theatre is a, a communal place to explore those things rather than an individual one, it's a, a very uh, interesting and, mm. and um, exciting place. And, and as I say, the, the older I'm getting, the more I'm realising it is a sacramental yeah. place. I mean, I feel, you know, when, when we talk about theatre and we sort of think, actually, you know, if you think about when formal theatre, you know, sort of over 2,000 years ago with ancient Greece, even though there are many forms of informal theatre around that, you know, what happened was a person would walk on stage in front of a group of people and they would tell a story. Well, that has not changed. That must be one of the very few forms that hasn't shifted at all you know we have lights now and we can have some amplification we can have various different things but the actual act the need for that is really really fundamental in us and that is a kind of religious thing and for me the thing that I become obsessed about with it as a sacramental thing is that you know a congregation of people come together to witness an event mm -hmm. in some way and then the witnessing of the event we are changed together because we're witnessing it with each other it's not a private thing and I think that's a really powerful thing. It can never not have happened because we were there together. So, yeah, in the, I you love have it. very nicely queued up my next question <laughs> for me, which is, so this, this, um, this play, obviously, it started in Scotland and then it went on a tour and it, yeah. it sort of ended up here. What, what uh, the holy grail um, for, for theatre directors is to try and change the audience, make it more diverse, younger. Mm. Um, what, first of all, ha have you noticed that the audiences for this play are, are different? And what kind of responses have people had to it outside of, you know, on its way here? I mean, one of the 
brilliant things about Scotland and about the National Theatre of Scotland and also the kind of non-elite form of theatre that has kind of grown out of Scotland and you know, the country itself is that actually people came to see it and went, oh my God, that is actually me on stage and there is a place for my voice and I am considered and I am important. So I think that's really, really vital. Um, but I also find that with older audiences, this play brings you back to yourself. Yes, yes. And I think that's what's something that's really, really thrilling about it. Because, you know, the play, if for those of you who've seen it or who are going to see it tonight, you know, it's really, really filthy. They swear, they're outrageous. And actually, you know... There's a recognition in that and a taboo in that that is broken that people kind of feel relieved about, I think, sometimes. Yeah, and we all got blotto on a Friday night. Oh, my God, totally. <laughs> yeah. so, that's so I think it has, it's got, it's, it actually has appealed to quite a diverse yeah. audience, yeah. which is really exciting. And I think it's, it's appealed to a much wider age range than I expected. I thought it would appeal to a younger audience. But actually, one of the joys for me is that it's actually appealed to older audiences mm. as well. And have you had, uh, you know, strong reactions, negative reactions? Because it is filthy. Well, you came to see it and somebody next to you walked out. The lady next to me did walk out after 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I would have liked to have Maybe she thought had it was a conversation rubbish, with that's her. That's what we're saying. It wasn't like that. No, I, don't, I mean, I, it's... it's um, I don't know if you... No. I mean, have I you, know. you haven't you had know, any... I, to, to be quite honest, I mean, uh, that... I think it's very, very difficult not... Even if you didn't like my work... Or Alan's work or anything, uh, not to be uh, ast astonished by uh, girls. The, the, yeah. the girls. I mean, they are extraordinary yeah. performers, they are. Ex brilliant singers, and just the life force. And yeah. it's just, I, I find it absolutely joyous. It's been an absolute joy to work with everybody and I'm just amazed at how talented they are. I mean, it's, it, it really is humbling is. to work yeah. with them. It literally it's is like, oh my god, you sort of, I, I am deeply in love with them all in a kind of you know your uh, how extraordinary they are but the thing i also think about it you know we, we the, uh, over 10 years 10 years ago we did the show called black watch at national theatre of scotland and there was a massive massive amount of swearing in it and um and, and it's very sort of dark again and we never got any complaints and it made me really think about whose voice is it and where's the authenticity of the voice so actually the girls aren't trying to be offensive and they're not trying to be provocative to the audience this is the way they speak to each other and we forgive them it because they also can sing in the most amazing a cappella harmonies the most beautiful no because there's a skill so you see it's a decision it's not just trying to annoy you all or trying to wind you all up yeah it's actually this true. is how they speak to each other and it's the same with blackwood you know this was the way the squaddies spoke to each other the other there wasn't swearing all the way through it's how they speak to each other. and i think there's a re i think we tolerate it when it's authentic yes i was about to say it's about authenticity yeah, yeah rather than a writer going like that to but, an but, audience but also that the, 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 there's a, 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 a music in swearing yeah. That, yeah. That, uh, that 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 Alan absolutely brilliantly captures. Yeah. That that that, that the swearing it, that it's right. That it's, they're not meant to be uh, being offensive, but they're playing with language in the most creative, joyous yeah. way. And it's not about. It isn't really about transgressing in language. No. It's about just just soaring and enjoying and they belong in in that sense to a very rich tradition going right back to chaucer and yeah. before that don't they yeah, if you know um well um, we're exactly on seven o'clock so um we have to finish because obviously the cast are coming on so um i i hope you've enjoyed it and thank you all for coming and thank you to vicky and lee